0: Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Pastor Goss. We've talked about how that you and I, once we become Christians, have a brand new identity. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. We talked about how Satan is doing everything he can to get you to live out of your identity, of who you are, to get you to live just like the natural carnal you, rather than as a free person in Jesus Christ. And so he that constant battle. But here's good news. God is also working to help you know your identity and to keep you living in it. So he is with you, helping you, guiding you. And today what we're gonna talk about is how you discover your identity. Your identity discovered. How do I do that? What's gonna happen? And it's a process that all of us go through that God puts us through so that we'll live in the identity that he designed for us and who he called us to be. And we're going to look here in in the 32nd chapter of Genesis, there's this great story of Jacob and how he wrestles with God, because have you ever noticed that when God try to pushes you to do something, you kind of fight against it? come on, you do, turn to the person, to, yeah, you, you do that, you know, you, you do. And, and God says, look, I, I know you're kind of hesitant, I know you're going to push back, but I'm going to push you forward and help you get there. And so God puts him through a process that you and I often go through as well in finding our identity and staying in it. First of all, you have to address the past. Now, I know it seems like I deal with this a lot because it's a really important thing. I don't think we understand how much the past has an influence on us. And so you have to address it. And that means that you have to address your failures. Anybody got anything in your past you wish you didn't have? got any mistakes you made, regrets you've got, all the things you should have done you didn't do, all of us do that. And so you've got to address them. And so we pick up the story in Genesis 32 and verse 3, Jacob sent messengers ahead to his brother Esau, who was living in the region of Seir in the land of Edom. Now remember, Jacob's the guy who stole Esau's birthright. They didn't get along. There was bad blood between them. Bad men. It's his twin brother, and so he's going there and he told him, give this message to my master Esau. <laughs> Notice, kind of playing around here, getting him, buttering him up. Humble greetings from your servant Jacob. Until now, I have been living with Uncle Laban. Now, they haven't met since the event, since the transaction took place, since the birthright was stole. And now I own cattle and donkeys and sheep and goats and many servants, both men and women. In other words, now I have a lot of money in the bank. I have sent these messengers to inform my Lord of my coming, hoping that you will be friendly to me. In other words, I'm sending a bribe. I'm going to do everything I can so that you'll take care of me. And after delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and they reported, we met your brother Esau. He is already on his way to meet you with an army of 400 men. Uh-oh. your failures. He's trying to address them. He's trying to make things right. He's trying to undo some of the things that he did in the past. He was guilty. He did it. Now, he wasn't the only one. He was was a mama's boy, and mama put him up to it. But he's coming to a place now where he's admitting, you know what? I did some things in the past that I know have hurt you. I've did some things in the past that I'm not very happy about. I've seen what I do and what it has done to people and I'm going to try to make amends. I'm going to try to do what's right. And so you address the past. You address your failures, the things that you know you've done that didn't work out the way you hoped they would, the way they thought that you would, the things that were done to you that shouldn't have happened. You've got to be willing to address all of that, to admit it, to confront it, to embrace it, so to speak. Yes, that is what happened. Yes, that is what I'm dealing with. Yes, that is what's going on. And then you've got to address along with that because many times they're they're partners. You've got to address your fears, Well, what if I do this and this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen? And what if I, you know, I'm not too sure I want to. I don't want to go back there. It's hard memories. It's hard things. And I don't want to have to deal with all of that. Notice what happens in our story. Jacob was terrified at the news. He divided his household along with the flocks and the herds and the camels into two groups. In other words, I might lose one, but I'll keep the other. He thought if Esau meets one group and attacks it, perhaps the other group can escape. And so there's a fear involved with addressing your past. There's a fear involved in admitting, I was wrong. I did this and I'm not proud of it. I, I'm the one who, who did that. Now, why do you have to do that? Because you can't control the past, it's done but don't let the past control you. You can't go back and undo and fix everything. But you can't allow the past to determine how you're going to act today. And many people, because of what's happened to them in the past, well, you know what? They did this and they did me. I'm never going to let anybody hurt me again. And so the past is in control of your life from that point forward, isn't it? You're reacting and acting because of something that happened to you. You're, you're doing it because I don't want to get hurt, and you try to protect yourself. Well, I'm going to make sure that never happens. I'm, they did this to me, and I'll never forgive them. Well, this happened to me, and this just isn't right. I did this, and I'm just always a failure. And all those voices and all those things come to you. And if you're not careful, you'll allow them to control your future. The past is over. The past is past. The future is still to be determined. So do not let the past control your future. It's over. It's done. Yes, it happened. Yes, it's there. We don't live in denial. And God will help you come to grips with your past. Why? Because he says this. If you'll come to me and if you'll give your life to me, I'll make everything brand new. I'll turn it all around. I'll forgive your past. I'll help you forget your past so that you can go forward. You're now a new creature. The old is gone. The new has come. So you have to allow God to do that in your life. If he's going to use you, you have to be available to him To go forward, not to live back there. Because sometimes when we're trying to help other people, we start giving them advice out of our past, don't we? Do you understand that sometimes even when you did good things in your past and you try to help other people today with it, you're still not living today, you're still going back there? And so I've got to address the past. I've got to understand that it happened, it was there, I can't control it, it's gone, it's over. But what I can do is move forward, and that's what God always wants me to do. God's not going to take you back into your past and undo it. He will take you forward and do new things. So you have to address the past. Esau is trying to do that. He's afraid. There's always an element of fear involved but he's willing to move forward and that's what he's trying to do and God's pushing him in that direction God's behind this secondly adamantly hold on to God in other words no matter what happens you hold on to God you don't let him go So we go on in the story, you know, Jacob has kind of separated everybody. He's gone across the river, the brook, to the other side. And this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Do you understand that sometimes God doesn't fight fair? right? Because we know who this man is. Jacob eventually realizes it, but he's not sure. And so there's this match going on. And the man said, let let me go. Don's breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. In other words, I don't care what you do to me. You can wrench my hip out of place. You can do whatever you want to do, but I'm not letting you go until you bless me. That's how you hold on to God. That whenever you're going through something, you're holding on so tight, you're saying, look, I'm not letting you go until we're through this and I come out better on the other side. That's how you stay in your identity. That's what God wants you to do. Hold on to Him. Because you have to do this when God determines to test you. You have to adamantly hold on to God. Because here's what we know. God will test you. God will come to test your faith. God will come to make your faith stronger and greater no matter what you go through, and God's at work in that. And therefore, James writes in James chapter 1, verse 2, he says, look, brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, now that covers them all, doesn't it? That's, whatever you're facing, that falls under the any kind category. Come your way, considered an opportunity for great joy. James sick. Are you kidding me? Joy? <laughs> it's not notice it's an opportunity for joy. You don't have joy because the troubles are coming. You realize that the troubles have an opportunity attached to them. And if I will hold on to God there is an opportunity for me to have joy later on. You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, not needing anything. In other words, when you endure, when you don't give up, When you don't quit, your endurance gets stronger and better. And if you will hold on to that, you will be more whole, more complete, more perfect, more holy. So you hold on adamantly to God because you know your faith is going to be tested. You understand that he will test you and that if you will hold on to that, there is the opportunity ahead for me to have joy what happens with most people is when the troubles come they don't endure they bail on god they bail on what they believe they give in to the circumstances and the situation they begin to whine and complain they begin to feel sorry for themselves they get angry they get mad they say it's not fair rather than God I know what I'm going through is not easy I understand that but I am going to hold on to you 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5 And though you're through your faith God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to revealed on the last day for all to see so when the troubles come God is there to protect you to take care of you So be truly glad. (laughs) Here it is again. There is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure a trial or two. Is that what it says? Many trials for a little while. Anybody got a testimony for that one? Many, yeah. Even though you may have to endure that. There's that word endurance again. The trials will show That your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So, when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So, I hold on to God when I go through the troubles and the trials of life that I face are not shocking. God tells me to expect them. He says they're going to come. They're going to be there. It's going to happen. And when they come, don't be surprised for it. In fact, when they come, let me give you a way to look at it. Look at it as an opportunity for joy because when I come through this, I'm going to be better than I was. I'm going to be in a place God wants me to be, and God's going to be with me, and he's going to help me, and so I just have to endure through this. And what's my endurance? God, I will not let you go until you bless me, until you take care of me, until you get me through this. And you become tenacious with this. Adamantly hold on to God when he tests you But there's another place you have to hold on to God, and that's when you harvest what you deserve. (laughs) Um, Here's what the Bible says Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God, you will always harvest what you plant. Now, we're a people who do a lot of planning, and then we pray for crop failure. God, don't let me get what I deserve. And God is good at helping that, and many times we don't get what we deserve. But I have to understand that sometimes when I do something, there will be some consequences because of it, because of my choices. If I go into a bank with a gun and take money and get caught, I'm going to go to jail. And if I say, God, forgive me, God forgives me. But I'm still going to jail. All right? I will do the time. I did it. And so sometimes when I do things that I know shouldn't have done, or do things thinking it's not that big a deal, and it is, I have to understand that I might have to suffer some of the results from the choices that I've made. And when I go through that, I need to hold on to God. God hasn't bailed on me. God has not, oh, God's getting even with me. No, what you sow, you reap. God, you did that, not God. But God will be there to help you get through it. He will bring you out of it. He will get you on the other side of it. And you have to, in those times when, boy, I made a, anybody made a foolish mistake? Anybody, you know, you do something and boy, you're in, oh, this is going to cost me, oh, I've got to, you know, and maybe it financially, maybe it's just a job situation, maybe it's a relationship. Boy, I shouldn't have done that. And because of the choice you make, that gets hurt and everything gets messed up and you go through that. You have to just hold on to God in the midst of that and say, God, I'm not going to let you go. I'm a fault. I understand that. I know you've forgiven me. I know I'm going to have to go through this, but I will not quit. I will hold on to you and not let you go until you bless me, until you get me through this. That's how you stay in your identity. That's how you stay in that place. And so God says, look, I am here. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to push you in a direction. You don't have to worry about me. I will be faithful Because God is, isn't he? The question is, will you hold on to me as we go through this? I want to make you stronger. And you get strong by going through difficult times. I'm going to be there for you when you make a mistake. I won't give up on you. I won't quit. Hold on to me. And so when you go through those times, you have to come to that place where you're saying, you know what, God, I know what my past is. I know what I've done. I understand that, and I understand that you're going to help me through it. And no matter what happens to me in life, I will not let you go. I'm going to keep serving you. I'm going to keep doing my best. I'm going to keep following you no matter what. Now, here's the hard part. You have to admit who you are. Okay, you ready for this? Okay, here we go. Genesis 32, back to our story. What's your name? This is God asking him. The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Jacob means deceiver. Jacob means someone who fights against people. That's not a good name to have, is it? But it has very adequately described Jacob's life up to this point. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel. You wonder where the name came from? Here it is. Because you have fought with God. Israel wrestles with God. And with men, Jacob wrestles with men, and you've won. Wow. I love winners. I love winning. I'm a little competitive. Okay, I'm a lot competitive. So I have to admit who I am. Now, here's the thing. We are very good at determining other people's issues we are horrible at being honest with ourselves we we think we have a degree in being able to label other people and tell them what's wrong with them we have flunked the school of looking at us And so it's easy for us to look at other people, well, they're doing that and they're doing that and there's why and they need to stop that and everything. But when you have to look at yourself, you don't like it, do you? Now, if you think you do, then here's what we do. If you're with somebody, if if you're with a person who thinks they are honest with themselves, you have my permission that on the way home, you can turn to them and say, let me tell you some things that are wrong with you. And see how that goes over. We know how to go over, don't we? Because we don't want to be honest with ourselves. And yet, have you ever noticed that what God keeps doing through your life, he keeps holding up a mirror for you to look at? He'll put you in a circumstance or situation that will begin to reveal some flaws that are there, and you and I will turn away and say, I'm not like that. I didn't mean that. That wasn't my intention. That isn't the way I really am. And so we go through that whole thing and we don't deal with us. And yet what does God keep doing throughout our lifetime? He keeps dealing with us. And he keeps saying, Phil, quit looking at everybody else. Let's you and I just deal. Oh, but God, I'm okay. I'm not as bad as them. I'm not as messed up as they are. You know, and God says, well, maybe. uh, But you still have issues. You still have things that keep you from being the person I created you to be. Can we address them? Well, What about them? I'll take care of them. Let's just take care of you today. And eventually you learn that taking care of you is a full-time job. And so I have to admit who I am. That means I have to deal with the defining character flaws. I have to deal with some things in my life that are character issues that hinder me from being the person God wants me to be. The consistent sin. Every person in this room has some things in your life that you struggle with that are consistent with you. Not with everybody else, but with you the writer to Hebrews puts it this way. He says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let's strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You got a label for that, don't you? And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let's deal with that issue in our life that is there that we know we battle with and have to struggle with and be honest about it and let God try to help us get through it and overcome it. And so I have to admit it. You know, God, that's me. I don't like it. I know you don't like it. But God, it seems to be a persistent thing in my life that I keep having to address. Would you help me get over it? Help me overcome it. Help me get through it. Because you never deal with something until you admit it. As long as you're shifting blame, well, God, or making the excuse, well, I'm not really that way. It's because of this, and the, it'll never happen. So I have to deal with that, that persistence. Also, have to deal with the controlling issues. Controlling issues. There's other issues that I have to wrestle with that are there for me because, let me just, let me make it very practical, name a few for you. Pride, selfishness, bitterness, gossip, anger, issues that control us, that are there that put us in a wrong place, that we're susceptible to. The writer in Proverbs says, the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. Wow. You may not see it, but God sees it, doesn't he? And the Holy Spirit is very good at bringing it to the forefront and pointing it out. Why, to make me feel bad? No, to let you know it's there so that you and God can deal with it. And overcome it. An evil man is held captive. By his own sins. They are the ropes that catch. And hold him. That's pretty strong language. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. His unwillingness to address it. So I have to address the things in my life that I know aren't pleasing to God. That I have to deal with day after day. Not trying to cover them up, not making excuses for them. God, it's me. Help me. God, I want to take care of this. God, I want to deal with this. And so when God comes to Jacob, he wrestles with him and he says to Jacob, what's your name? What's he asking him? Jacob, who are you? And Jacob has to reply, I'm a deceiver. I cheat people. I take advantage of people. I've done it all my life. Oh, but if I do that, oh, notice the story. Okay, Jacob, good. Glad you got it out. Glad you know who you are. Now, I'm going to make you somebody brand new. We're going to change that name. We're going to overcome that flaw. I'm going to make you into Israel. (laughs) Wow. God takes a cheat and makes him into Israel. That's incredible. But he does the same thing with us, doesn't he? So not only do I have to deal with this, I have to also deal with the destructive personality flaws. Now, these are the flaws, and here's, you know, you have them when you begin to say, do this. Well, it's just who I am. I was born this way. And you begin making excuses for the way you're acting, and you blame it on, well, it's in my genes, it's my parents, it's how I was raised, I've been this way since I'm a child, it's always been like this, this is, just is who I am. And Proverbs writer says there's a path that before each person. It seems right. It seems okay. It seems like it's just who you are. The problem is it ends in death. It ends in death. You see, we make excuses. We've refused to institute changes in our life that would make us more godly. And God can't bless what you won't address. And there's always a blessing that is out there but first you have to be broken and God wants to work in you so he can work through you let's deal with who you are let's be honest about that let me help you see yourself clearly so that you begin to deal with the issues that you have so that I can use you in the way I intended and change you into someone else then finally, accept what God wants. Accept what God wants. Many times our wrestling with God is simply because I don't want to do what He wants me to do. Well, I know what I should do, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> well, at least you're honest. It you might be a little stupid, but you're honest. Notice what he says here. Genesis, back to our story. Please tell me your name, Jacob. said, you know, tell me what you are. I want to know about you. See, he, he always wants to pass the buck, doesn't he? he said, tell me about you. Tell me about you. Why do you want to know my name, the man? Then he blessed Jacob there. And Jacob named the place Penel, which means the face of God. For he said, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been spared. And the sun was rising as Jacob left Penel. And remember that point where God touched him in the hip and didn't wrestle fair? Jacob limped for the rest of his life. God will mark you for good. He wants to give you a new name. He wants to give you a new identity. He wants to make you in someone he created you to be, someone that you will find fulfillment in, somewhere that you will find joy in and peace in as you live for him and do what he wants you to do. And honor him in the way that you live. That's your identity. That's who you are. And you have to believe that God wants what's best for you. Now the problem gets to be sometimes when you're going through the struggles. uh, This doesn't feel good. This doesn't feel like God's blessing me. This doesn't feel like God wants something good for me. Look at what I'm going through. If you will hold on. You will come out on the other side with what? Don't make me start this again. With joy. Look what God's done in my life. Look what God's doing in my life. Look at how God is using me. And I have to believe God's ways are perfect. God knows what he's doing. He never makes a mistake. God is, is always there for my good and not for my harm. Psalm 18, verse 30, God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. James chapter one, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, God will bless you for doing it. I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. He will. If I hold on. So I have to believe, God, I don't like this, but I know you're doing what I need to have done in my life, and I know you never make a mistake about this. You know who I need to be more than I do. So God, I'm going to hold on to you no matter what happens. And when I get done with this and we get done with this, there's going to be joy, and I'm going to be better able to live in the identity that you have for me as a Christian. And then I have to believe that God's way are profitable. It will make my life better. God's not out to destroy you. God's not out to get even with you. God's not out to hurt you. God is there to help you. Proverbs 11.23, the godly can look forward to a reward while the wicked can only expect judgment. Psalm 23.17, don't envy sinners, always continue to feel the Lord. You will be rewarded for your hope, will not be disappointed. 1 Peter 1.8, you love him even though you have never seen him and though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with the glorious inexpressible Okay, maybe you'll get it. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. You see, if Satan can get you to forget who you are, you'll forget where you're going and you won't get your destiny. And don't fight who you've become. Fight for who you're supposed to be. This is what we're fighting for well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Would you put that aside? And let me give you another phrase to say. I need to be who God created me to be. Quit worried about what you're supposed to do and start putting emphasis on who you're supposed to be. Because if you'll be the person God made you to be, you will do what God wants you to do. And when you settle the identity issue, there's life. There's joy. There's a sense of purpose. And God helps wrestle us towards that to get us there. Because in reality, what's our identity? Here it is. I am to become like Jesus Christ. That's who we are. And when I have my identity... I understand my destiny. So today, Satan's doing everything he can to get you out of your identity. God's doing everything he can to get you into your identity. Will you work with him? Will you allow him to do what only he can do? Because that's what he's there for. So you may be here this morning trying to do your thing and thinking, you know who you are but in reality, until you know God, you don't. And you've maybe become a Christian, but you've allowed the past to control and dominate you. You've maybe gone through some difficult times and you've kind of given up and felt like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I can't go on. You've been unwilling to deal with your issues that God says are hindering you from being the person he made you to be. And maybe for some of you, you don't believe God really has your best interest at heart. He does. So, wherever you fit this morning, would you be willing to come before God and say, God, here I am. Help me. Would you just surrender to what the Holy Spirit's doing in your life today and speaking to you? And can we take just a moment as we bow our heads and just, God, here I am. Help me. Take a moment. Just you and God. God here. <clears throat> Lord, this morning, we come to that place where we realize you're at work in our lives and you created us to be more than we could ever imagine. We relate well to Jacob because we spent days of our lives trying to hide trying to cheat trying to take it out on others rather than just dealing with us so God today would you help us to allow you to help make us into the person you made us to be to cooperate with you as you work in our life to make us more like you you help us to adamantly hold on to you no matter what thank you for wanting to use me I'm overwhelmed may your name be honored we pray Amen thank you for joining us for today's service if you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8, 15, and 10, 45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.